Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. Role-playing inspiration can come from anywhere, and we use our side quest to explore TV shows, movies, books, and other RPGs that influence our playstyle and storytelling. Whether we draw from intriguing plot points, amazing characters, or, well, you know, just kind of geek out about it, it should be a fun trip, and we're glad you came along for the ride. from today's sponsor lost in the woods come on honey let's go this way you don't know what to do i, I don't know where to look I, I just i don't know what to do you feel your sanity slowly strip away as you listen to one more children's song La, 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 no, la, 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 no, I can't. La, 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 I just can't take it. La, 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 I can't listen to it again. Please, please, no. Look, Dad, it's fun time with Mr. Dave. What? Oh, you're right. Look, there it is. Oh, it's right there at funtimewithmrdave.com. I'm, I'm saved. I'm saved. Fun time with Mr. Dave. Saving parents' sanity since 2020. Welcome, everybody, to today's side quest. It has begun! Because today we are going to be talking about the latest... Mortal Kombat! That's right, everybody, because we are going to be talking about the latest in the Mortal Kombat film series, which has been littered with films which received fatalities at the box office. But now, 2021 has brought us a Mortal Kombat movie that is excellent. Worthy. It's excellent. Worthy. Worthy is exactly the right word. Look, I went into this movie assuming that it was going to be a stupid amount of fun with the emphasis on stupid. This is a for real movie. There is there is a real movie underneath all of the cheesy goodness. This is it's like a pizza of a movie, right? Yeah, it's it is cheesy on its surface, but damn if there is not really, really nice sauce and really, really good crust to build a movie on. There is I wouldn't say that there's character development, but they do a fantastic job of establishing character background in this film. For such a short movie, because it's under two hours, it's like an hour and 35 minutes, so it's it's a short film. They do a really great job of going into and making the backgrounds of these characters just feel fantastic. I was a huge fan of the first 90s Mortal Kombat movie. 
Huge fan. Loved it. The second film was objectively terrible. Objectively terrible. Objectively terrible. The television series that followed it was, wow, it was horrible, right? And that's not a dig against anybody who produced, worked on, or dealt with those films. Look, you did a lot to get to where you got. Uh, I'm sorry it came out that way. But <laughs> but, but uh, the first film was so much fun, and so I loved it so much. It was wonderful. Loved it. So much so, I own both the original score and the soundtrack inspired by... I've used both of those soundtracks at my game table frequently and often. Like, just love those films. Going into this movie, I was like, look, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. I wanted it to be good. And I really thought it's probably not going to measure up to the 96 one. And that's a, that's going to be a real shame. But I'll give it a shot because it could be cool. Really, the only thing about this movie that I think didn't beat, I don't mean to live up to, but didn't hands down beat. The 96 movie was possibly the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack was less than the epic level of the nine uh, of the 90s oh, version soundtrack. I actually, I thought the orchestral score was amazing. And maybe it's because the fight music let me down so bad that I would say that. I would have to listen to it again yeah. on my second or third viewing, possibly even buying the original score for this. I did not feel the music during the fight. Okay. And during and and I did during the '96 version. Like the fact that it's in one of my players right now that I can listen to when we're done with this this episode. That's that's how much I listen to it. For, uh, off how often I listen. Fantastic movie. Fantastic. A great, movie. great, great, yeah. fun movie. Absolutely. To watch. Yeah, absolutely. And so I remember like going into it. And I'm like, man, you know, I so. We, we we had planned out to do this episode way before the movie actually came out. Like, from the moment that we heard that the Mortal Kombat movie was coming out, we're like, okay, we're going to do an episode on it. Because that's just how we roll, right? We, we say, cool thing coming out, we're going to talk about it. And as it came out, and as I started hearing things about it, the more I started, I was like, uh, I, I don't... I don't know what kind of episode we're going to find in this movie. Like we could just go off and talk about it for 45 minutes, but you know, we do try to make our, particularly our side quests relate back to the table somehow so that you, our dear listeners can take something from what we say and bring it to your table. And I wasn't sure that we were going to be able to do this with this one. I went into this movie like, you know what? This could be a real fun time. Uh, this might be something that we want to try to do like a group watch on or something like that. I'm not sure we're going to find an episode in it. And immediately after I was done watching it, I sent Mr. Miller a text message and said, I know the episode that we need to do about this one. I, I, I know exactly what episode it was. Uh, and uh, I'm assuming from the thumbs up at 5.07 this morning that he was on the same page that I was uh, with this. And so what we're going to do tonight or today, depending on when you're listening, we are going to do the same thing that we did with the Nevers. And we are going to go through a handful of the characters from this movie and we're going to stat them. We're going to give our thoughts on where they slot into the D&D lineage class subclass uh, sections. So we've got some, I think, some really interesting ideas because we did, there is one rule that we set aside for this. Every character in this movie could be a fighter. Absolutely could be 100%. The whole thing is about them fighting. We get that. None of them are, are slatted as fighters. Zero well, of them. Nope. Nope, we changed that. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right, because we did it with lineage. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yep. You're right. Yep. So, you know, so none of them are fighters. And so 
if that sounds like a good time to you, you guys are in for a fantastic episode because we found some really, really interesting ways, I think, to go ahead and bring these characters to your table uh, and make them uh, just a touch more legendary than uh, just sliding them, sliding them all as uh, fighter champions would have made them. So without further ado, let's get in here. Uh, Lee Wanika, why don't you go ahead and start tonight? So the movie opens with what we later find out is a is in the past. Yeah, just by past. about a, a thousand years. Yeah. And it, it opens with a, an attack on a family man by the character we come to find out is Sub-Zero. And Bihan. In this scene, we get so much character. Yeah. How driven he is. Uh, how cold, literally and figuratively, figuratively he is. Yeah. How much of a family person that the one that comes to be known as Scorpion yeah. is. Hanzo Hasashi, yeah. We see his caring. We see his family dynamic. We see all these this setup for how this background is. We don't need to know what the war was. Take that as a note, storytellers out there. When you're setting up these backgrounds, you may not need to know all the details of the war. But if you set up the background that these two characters were opposed, you can just show that. You can just talk about that without knowing the details of the war. We don't need to know that it was it started over the fur trade or whatever it may be. What we need to know is this guy representing his clan was out against this other guy who represented his clan and they were at it. Yeah. And they I did not think like each that other. was brilliant. Yeah. Didn't I, like each other, didn't fight the same way, and they were both determined, vicious and lethal warriors. Uh, I will say one thing from that opening scene that is going to make its way to my table, so players make note of this. I, I wrote it down on my rocket book here as I was listening. You know, I said, you know, character conflict setup, right? So that's what this entire first scene was about, was about the conflict between Scorpion and Sub-Zero, and then how they were going to extrapolate that to all of the other characters as they went on. The second thing that I wrote down is a cult of worshippers who... Uh, worship and take care of a frozen bride who somehow came into that state. I think yep. that that is one of those evocative images. Like when she is when she is kneeling there with her child in her arms and frozen solid, that's one of those evocative images that you can get miles from in your game. Like Absolutely. that's, you know, it reminds me one of my favorite books has uh, one of my favorite. It's not really one book, actually, it's a trilogy by the author, by the author, Jeffrey Ford. Uh, and uh, one of the scenes has he's not really a hero, but he's making he's certainly the main character of all three novels. And he finds um, he finds a shipwreck um, and he knows what the shipwreck is because they had heard stories about the shipwreck. And basically the shipwreck was the the big bad guy. Um, it was his bride. And she was, um, I don't remember if she was frozen in a block of ice or something like that, but basically she was in a state of suspended animation in this ship. And the ship was supposed to be taking her back from where she was to the big bad guy so that the big bad guy could fix her. But the ship wrecked um, and it became this big story. And anyway, the, the, the main character finds the shipwreck and finds the woman. Uh, and it's just kind of like, oh, yep. That's a horrible existence. I, I can't imagine how that must be to know that this is how uh, this is how she came to pass and not be able to do anything about it. I, I loved how he fought and how determined was and died anyway. Oh, like yeah. it was a moment where I fully expected him to get there, 
save her somehow yeah. or whatever. Yeah. After his improbable death crawl, yeah. That's... Yeah, and as he started, like, I said, like, oh, wow, this is how it starts because he dies, right? And then I'm like, but he's crawling, like, oh, he's going to make it. There's going to be something that comes to this. Maybe he at least saves the boy child to take care of his sister or whatever. And the answer is no, he didn't even make it to see them. The fact that he didn't even complete the crawl to see them, that that bit of non-closure explains why he had such a drive to come back. Yeah. Yep. And was fighting through the through the centuries for the moment yep. to come back. Totally agree. Totally and, agree. And, and and it sold it. Like it paid off at the end of this film. And this is where we say, beware, there will be spoilers here. Remember this face. <laughs> beware, there are spoilers ahead. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I thought that the setup was great. Yeah. It fully reminded me of all the times we talk about background being it. Yeah. If you can sell the background, the story is half done. Yep. And and I think that was really what we saw here. Yep. And that is one of the first things I noticed is different from previous Mortal Kombat iterations. Here, we did the backstory, and that made it at the get-go better. Even on characters that we don't see sort of this detailed backstory flashback, we get the background on everybody at some point. And a lot of it is through dialogue with other characters or even like even the way that they present themselves. I'm thinking about when when Kano first sees um, his arch nemesis and I forget what his arch nemesis his name is. But the 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 one in the suit that basically, you know, he has a you know, with the yeah, yeah, yeah. Kano made me live in this iron lung, you know, that that guy. But even even when they first meet across the uh, across the miasma there, when he's like. So you're working for that side, huh? Kano makes the comment about how, or the the other guy makes the comment about how how the Black Dragon wasn't the same when he, you know, the the order of the Black Dragon wasn't the same. And Kano pulls out his knife and says, "I am the Black Dragon." You know, like that's like that sort those little moments that give you insight into these characters. It was really, really, it was surprisingly well written. I mean, I don't mind throwing surprisingly out there. Surprisingly well written. Yeah. Similarly, let's talk about Sonya Blade and Jax, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. We get one word mention of her name. Jax says, get to Sonya, Sonya Blade, she'll take care of you. Gary Indiana. We know that, yeah. yeah. One, I love Gary Indiana for a whole host of reasons, but I just think it's kind of neat. Just what it brings in my head, and, and we'll get into all of that in some future podcasts, but I love the fact that in this film, and while they talk about them being friends in the other films, and there's always mentions about how Jax and Sonya know each other and they're part of some same organization and all that good jazz, I don't think anybody sold the friendship and the camaraderie between Jax and Sonya as well as this film. And honestly, they did it with limited dialogue. It was the way the actor, and we'll, we'll get into him in specifics, but Makad Brooks did his scene where he's talking to Sonya on the cell phone while trying to save Cole's family. And then when she's talking about what happened to Jax, and then you see little the screen passes multiple times over the pictures of them yeah. in their ranger days back in the army, and you're getting this vision of this pair of army buddies, battle buddies, that have fought through it overseas in combat together. And when they go off the rails for some crazy man's mission, finding out about some supernatural battle game that they went together. Yep. They are the surviving members of their unit and the whole bit that speaks volumes about the ship. 
And to Josh's point, this is a short movie. I would love a series or a movie just about Sonya and Jax from that battle to this point. I would pay good money for that prequel movie. Totally agree. And I mean, there are so many great moments in this movie. So the movie is infinitely quotable. And and look, half of the quotes from this movie that are fabulous are from Kano. Kano is just a fabulously hysterical character. Like when uh, when Kano uh, kills the lizard beast, when they're in Sonya's trailer there and he kills the lizard beast, he pulls out his heart and says, ha, Kano wins. <laughs> Just, yeah, you know, that was, just, that was nicely done. You know, it's just it's just nicely done, and so the movie it's like it is hysterically self aware of its cheese, and I think that that's why the cheese does not interfere with the quality of the movie because it is hysterically self aware. Like when um when 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 Liu Kang and Kano are fighting for the first time, and Liu Kang does that trip kick. Uh, like he keeps doing it over and over and over. I mean, that is an homage to Mortal Kombat 2 when Liu Kang could do that over and over and over again and it was impossible to friggin' beat unless you jumped over it. Um, and then he yeah. did it anyway. And he did went- it anyway. Exactly, yeah. You know, so just a really, like, hysterically self-aware of its own cheese and I, uh, which I think really kind of added to, added to the movie and added to the, the quotations. Um, the you know, way they the way they put in uh, all the quotes from the game, yeah, the original game forward were brilliant. Now I have to tell you and tell the audience in full honesty, I'm not a big video game guy. I don't play a ton of video games. I have played Mortal Kombat more than a few times. I have enjoyed playing Mortal Kombat with friends, but I'm not a more I'm not a video gamer. Uh, that's not where I lay my geek my geek crown at night. That said. I loved the game because I loved this cast of characters within the game. And then I saw the movie and I really loved that. And what I do like and I love is reading the evolving story of these characters across all the games, Mortal Kombat through Mortal Kombat 11 and so on and so forth. I've enjoyed that story, even though I don't play the game. So getting to watch this movie, which encapsulates pieces and parts and builds new stuff onto that storyline was brilliant for me because it was all the things I love about this game that I don't physically like playing. And it put it in a beautiful package. So it was very well done. And I loved all the quotes. It made me think I was back at the old arcade American billiards here in, in the town where I live. And we're just watch and I'm watching my two buddies duke it out uh, on this machine uh, playing various characters. Awesome. <laughs> Mortal Kombat, it's not even spelled right. Yeah. That's <laughs> Come awesome. on. Come on. Yeah. That's hysterical. Uh, like, yeah. that's your takeaway? The that's fact that for thousands of years, <laughs> that, like, there's all these things that happen and people are dying and monsters are coming to get us. That, and, that if Earthrow and, and loses again, like yeah, enslavement. Yeah. And, and your takeaway is, is they spelled it wrong? <laughs> well, first of all, you ought to be my eighth grade English teacher, language yeah. arts, actually, at the time. <sighs> and, and Love that teacher. She was amazing. But she would harp on that kind of detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She would definitely harp on that detail. You know, and I, I think I think one more detail that we need to mention on the film before we get into, into statting out these characters. Uh, it is a Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, it is, and I don't have a problem with this, but I think that we would be doing a disservice if we did not point out this movie is exceptionally violent. 
I mean, like, over-the-top violent, which is, again, I don't have a problem with, it's fine. Um, but, like, even, like, the way that they show... The, look, CGI is a wonderful thing. When it is used correctly and used appropriately, and it is used correctly and appropriately in the fatalities in this movie. Uh, you know, like, I I think about poor Jax and what happened to him when he met Alex Zero. Brutal. That was brutal. And that's early in the movie, too. Like, that's not very... That's, like, within the first 20 minutes. And it's like, oh... Actually, the, the opening fight with Sub-Zero and, and, and Scorpion was... Oh, yeah. It was brutal, too. That yeah. was nasty. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was... There was blood. There was great there was, kills. There yeah. was... It was... It was and, and in true Mortal Kombat fashion, there's and you more felt blood. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's way more blood than is actually there. And that you know, um, you know, and and I, again, I guess I say that only to go ahead and point out that you know, audience, look, the movie is rated R and it's rated R for a reason. Like it's a hard so, R. It's a hard R. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, which we don't have in Boston, so I'm not even sure how a hard R can exist. But whatever. So let's uh, let's dive in here so uh, actionable we're, we're, intel time folks <laughs> we're talking you love that phrase don't you I do I absolutely yeah. do like yeah. we're talking about that for the last couple of months yeah yeah I like it actionable like it. intel we're gonna come out here we're gonna talk to you about ways to stat out these characters now look we're not gonna go into the super fine details we're not gonna tell you so and so has a 17 or an 18 or well, plus three modifier to this survival plus eight that's not what we're talking about we're talking about a general build concept or build logic is the phrase that Josh and myself and Glenn have started tossing around uh, the podcast offices um, in the last couple of days, right? So the build logic, basically, what are the basics that go into making this character look like the character that we saw on this film? And I stress in this film, right? Uh, we're not talking about every iteration thereof. We're talking about just what we see in this film. So, why don't you take us off from the top, Josh? What's the first one we got coming to Sure. Us? Yeah, so the first one in the list, and we're not going in any particular order, I don't think. It was not even, I'm not even sure what order we're going in. But the first one on the list we're going to talk about is Cole Young. Uh, played fantastically by Lewis Tan, by the way. And I think uh, we haven't even talked about how great the movie was in terms of using Asian actors to represent Asian characters, but that's definitely in there. It's, it's, I, I don't throw it in here as an afterthought. I only throw it in here as a, it does that. It does it fantastically. Well done. Warner brothers, right? Yeah. Specifically not an afterthought. We were saving it for when we start talking about the characters individually. Cause yep. we're going to start talking about the characters when we go into who played them, how they were played, how they've yep. been depicted. In some cases, we're going to compare to older older versions right. exactly. and how yep. that goes. So we yep. did save that discussion for this part yep. of the overall discussion. Right. Okay. First one, Cole Young. So uh, we have Cole Young slated. So Cole Young, his progression in the movie is one of... Uh, man, he's sort of he's sort of the the fighter that can't get it together for three quarters of the movie. And then all of a sudden he unlocks his inner ability um, and the nature of his, of his inner ability with the armor um, that sprouts from his, uh, from his marking um, and the weapons that he's able to spawn, spawn spontaneously. Uh, we slotted him as a warlock hexblade subclass. 
Yep. And uh, that was something that we thought worked really well. And here's why. Uh, Hexblade, he comes at it. He, he, he pulls weapons out of thin air, basically conjures them, summons these weapons into being. Uh, and, and the fact that this power comes from elsewhere uh, and slash within. Uh, you know, there are elements of being a warlock that don't quite match, but, uh, you know, he did obviously hasn't made a pact with anybody. However, he is pulling on power from below. He's pulling on that family lineage. Well, exactly pack. right. I was going to say he he does he does have a pact. Yeah, it's a lin- it's a lineage pact. Yeah. Yeah. So I I thought that that was good. Now there may be some flavoring that a storyteller has to go, but if you're looking for a way to depict your warlock hexblade, that's not I'm an angst ridden edge warrior. Um, here's a great example. I mean, he looks light. His actual color scheme. Uh, was done, and interesting enough, this is an original character. Like I said, I'm not terribly familiar with all the games, so some of these are characters in this film that were not in the original Mortal Kombat movie that I had not seen until this movie. This was one of them, come to find out, he was was an original character built for this movie, unless in future movies they link him to some character that we haven't seen here before. Uh, By the way, shout out to the Native American warrior that they depicted in the film, but they didn't actually have a character in this film. Yeah. Um, so I think that, uh, so this was when we were first starting it out, we almost, uh, well, actually, until we decided not to have any fighters in our build list, this was the first one that I said was probably a straight-up fighter. Um, and I think that the Warlock Hexblade is a much more compelling build, and he probably has the martial adept feat because he does have some superior defense. He does have some sort of battle tactics, but he's not as refined as a battle master. And so that's why ultimately we said, you know what? There isn't a fighter subclass that really fits it. So let's go ahead and talk about how his abilities manifest and go from there. So, And at higher levels, you add in the martial artist uh, feat and perhaps the uh, crusher feat. Because a lot of what he did was uh, a bludgeoning weapons, though he did make his final kill and his best kill with a bladed weapon, a piercing weapon. So you can kind of go either way with that. If you build him high enough level and he gets that third ASI, throw him the piercer. Uh, and, and I think you've really got this this one covered. Um, great character, a lot of fun. I would enjoy playing a character like this at a table. This would be one I would build. Totally. Next one on our list here uh, is Sonya Blade, played by Jessica McNamee. Uh, and sort of as a nod to her previous army relationship with Jax, we put her as a ranger. And given the way that her character uh, kind of transcends or adjusts or, or adapts through this movie, the Monster Slayer subclass was absolutely perfect she is the one that had the room with the pictures and the red yarn going from site to site to point to point to point tracking all these guys you know and that's absolutely what a modern monster slayer would be doing yeah interesting enough if i were to peg a background to her just to give her the additional skill set i might consider giving her the uh city watch slash investigator background because yeah, of that's the specific features to go with that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that Soldier would... is an easy one, but I think Investigator might be better. Yeah, The Ranger covers the martial stuff fairly well. Uh, you're going to get a fighting style. You're going to get the, the, the military-esque background. You're going to get 
survival or athletics. Uh, you're going to get those types of things. I think the key with building a character that has this type of thing is working the mentality aspect. Look, when you're doing the, the, the given stats, don't dump stat anything. I think that's very key if you're looking at these characters. Very few of these characters have a dump stat. Very few of these characters have a super high stat. I think what they have is a lot of really good ones and then things that augment their key, their key stats. I think everybody is strong or solid strong in Constitution. I think everybody is very good in, like exceptionally good in one stat, but none of them are 17s or 18s in anything necessarily. Uh, possible exception of Goro as a monster. But, well, uh, right. but he's a monster. Like but he's he gets, a monster. He gets plus five and everything. Yeah, so whatever. yeah. yeah. we're going to exactly. hand wave that. But yeah. uh, I think Sonya is very high well, her, 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 across her, her, the board. Her charisma is kind of in the toilet. She's not, she's not super charismatic. By, no. by design. No. By design. No. And it's clear that she got her natural 20 on her charisma check to fool uh, uh, Kano. And Kano clearly oh, yeah. got a critical failure on his uh, insight check <laughs> in to figure out what the, the hell she was talking about. Quotes, one of the funniest quotes in the movie. Um, and, and just to go ahead for, again, this is not a spoiler-free episode, so we'll just talk about it. But when when Sonya first convinces Kano to come along with them, and Sonya's like, hey, you're a mercenary. Name your price. How much is it? Uh, and he's like, oh, come on, honey. You can't afford me. And she's like, how about $2 million? And he's like, wait. What you've got two million dollars stashed away in here, and even Cole is like, you got two million dollars stashed in here. Um, yeah, and and Kano, Kano says he's like, he's like, you live in this place and you got two million dollars, and 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 she says you want to make it th- three, <laughs> you know, or whatever. So now the price is up to three million. Three million, okay. So he's all happy. Goes inside and Cole's like, you got three million dollars. She goes, no. You see this shithole I live in? Of course I don't have three million dollars. <laughs> and she goes on, and it's like genius, so brilliant. Yeah. I love yep. it. Yeah, um, yep. but Sonya Blade is one of the characters I like the most in the game. Uh, I like her story a lot, and in the game, and I thought she translated brilliantly in this film. I thought she was strong-ish, but still maybe too damsel in distress-ish in the in in the original '90s film. And like, I don't think she was damsel in distress, but she certainly wasn't strong. I I think the problem with that first movie, it was very much the Liu Kang show. And they didn't know how to have a cast of characters on the side of good. Well, I think that was where the other one fell down. But I think this did it so much better. And the idea was she's determined. She's determined. And what is a ranger if not, but a high wisdom character that willpower, that determination, and this character showed it in spades. Yeah, I think I think not to beat that point home too much, but in the '90s, getting female characters out of damsel in distress seemed to be really hard. In the '90s, it's easier now, um, or at least we're starting to see it more. We're starting to see the strong, capable women roles more than we did in the '90s. In the '90s, that was still <laughs> look. The '90s feel like uh, for those of us who are old, they feel like they, it was like just yesterday, but it was like 30 years ago now. So like, which is a scary thought. So anyway, all right, let's keep on moving here. We're going to get to the first of two monks on our list and we're going to get to, we're going to start with Liu Kang, uh, who 
again, because of his Shaolin Order of Light uh, powers, we slotted him specifically as not just a monk, but a monk sorcerer. Yes, I thought sorcerer worked well for this one. However, there could be an argument for uh, a fire, uh, a domain of fire cleric, also a monk Those and I didn't think about yeah. that when we were when we were prepping this episode. I actually just thought about it looking at a picture of Ludi Lin or Ludi Lin. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Please forgive me, sir. But uh, uh, as Liu Kang compared to an, a, a video game footage, and first of all, this guy is ripped. I mean, oh, we've, like we've got scarily ripped. Like, we've holy got crap. I mean, he's cut like Bruce Lee cut, right? And uh, he's sitting there. He's building a fireball, and it dawned on me that in that monk religious order thing, uh, I almost think a uh, a fire domain cleric works better. And he did yeah, some he, healing not, things. Yeah. He did some healing things as well. So yep. you know, Josh, yep. uh, I don't always say uh, take back, but I'm yep. taking I think back. we're going to take that back. We're I taking think, that yep. back. Liu Kang yep. as a uh, as a monk cleric, as a as a well, not not even a monk cleric, just like an order of a, a domain of fire cleric. Straight yeah. Up. Oh yeah, straight up cleric, and then just straight give him cleric. just give him the uh, the martial arts fighting style, yep. things like that. Yep. Martial adept feet. Yeah, totally. Martial adept lets him lets him take a fighting style. Like absolutely. Yep. Totally love that. Um, yeah, and he is, uh, what was the, uh, when, when he was fighting with Kano and he was fighting without his shirt on and Kano made it, I'm trying to even remember what the quote, again, Kano with an awesome quote when he was fighting without his shirt on. I don't remember what the quote was, but it was hysterical. So, you know, uh, and pretty much if Kano opened his mouth, I guarantee you we had some cinema gold going on. Oh, absolutely. And if we haven't said it before, this is a movie that we will watch again. Oh yeah. It's a, it is a rewatchable film. We're actually recording less than 24 hours after watching it the first time. Yeah, exactly. I finished watching uh, it this morning. (laughs) Yeah, Josh finished this morning. I finished last night around 11 o'clock in the evening. And here we are. It's about 9 o'clock. This is about the time I started the film. Uh, So, I mean, yeah, 24 hours in, I can tell you I want to watch this movie again. And I I don't second watch a lot of movies these days. There's a lot of content in the world. And I don't always have a lot of time to watch something a second time. There's always something new to watch. This is something I'm going to set aside time to watch again. Totally agree. While we are talking about Kano, he is the next one on our list. And, oh, is he such an amazing rogue swashbuckler. I mean, you want to talk about the swagger. I mean, look, he is evil as evil is. Like, no doubt whatsoever. He is not, he is not your, like, your friendly, kind of, you know, soft and fluffy, lawful, neutral swashbuckler. No, no, no. He is straight up evil. He's a bad dude. Um, but man, he has got the swagger down. He has got the confidence down. He has got the the air that when he walks into a room that he just owns whatever room he walks into. Oh, it's absolutely amazing portrayal. Yeah, absolutely. And everything they do in this movie uh, just shows him like he is in the video game. Uh, the, the, the turn he makes to a heel in the film, uh, big surprise there. Uh, was oh, perfect. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got to tell you, I was a bit upset as he was there. I was like, as cool as the character was, I'm like, he can't be friends with Sonya Blade. He can't team up with Sonya Blade. And then at the end, they gave me what I wanted. And, and he was great. Now, we pegged him as a swashbuckler without a doubt. 
and I don't want to take away from that. But I would say this. We're going to have to add uh, the feat that allows him to have access to uh, Warlock abilities there because he needs to have that Eldritch Blast, which is going to be the Eye Blast. We're going to yep. flavor it as the Eye Blast. Yep. And give him the give him the Eldritch Adept feat. We're done. Yeah, Eldritch Adept, yep. and he is perfect. That yep. is what we need: a swashbuckler with Eldritch Adept, and you have Kano wins. <laughs> All right. Next, we're going to talk about Jax, and I I sort of feel like this is one that I'm going to need to ask you in the audience to go with me on a little bit. Just close your eyes, sit down, and relax, and just listen to Josh as he tells you Jax is an artificer. Now, now hear me out, because again, even when they were in the Rangers, right, they made a point that Jax was the device guy. Like that was that was his bag. Remember when they're in the truck and they say, you know, when they when he first rescues Cole from Sub Zero, he's talking to Sonya on the little earpiece, right? All these little details that say he was the tech device guy in their unit, and then he gets his unfortunate run in with Sub Zero. He gets <clears throat> dispatched with alacrity, uh, which I think honestly. Uh, uh, without any without any glib, I think honestly, as bad as getting his arms ripped off was him being pushed down the crack in the floor and hitting his head on the floor below. That in the way that his body flit like that that was worse for me than getting his arms ripped because the his getting his arms ripped off. I'm like, okay, that's not real. <laughs> and then but then when Sub Zero kicks him down the hole and he lands on the floor below and just the way that, that oh that could that could be real. Okay, all right. Anyway. All that to go ahead and say that I think Jax from from square one was an artificer. Like, we talked about maybe Jax being the battle master or something like that, but again, nope, put the fighter away. Jax is your artificer. And when Jax comes back, that makes Jax a reborn. And I think that a reborn construct artificer is a really, really interesting bit. Absolutely. And if you put his prime stats going con and strength, not Dex. Like, nobody has a dumb stat, but I think if anybody did, it would be Jax, right? Because uh, he was not keeping up with, the, with, with with anybody who was quick, right? Uh, if you do that, you're going to get a lot of ground. So he needs the tough feet. Yes. Oh, yeah. He yep. needs the crusher feet. Yes. Yeah. If yep. you're doing homebrew, <laughs> these will <laughs> do. Throw him, throw him powerful grip. You know, uh, these are things that I think would be excellent for this character. Um, I, as most of you have probably realized, am big on taking feats versus ASIs. Uh, I'm okay with moderate stats because the the feats, if you choose them well, do the work for you. Whereas the stats limit you to a dice roll. I think that works really well for Jax. I think he's a great, great character and i think the actor who plays him nakad brooks who i've been a fan of since he played uh jimmy olsen in and the guardian in supergirl oh he stepped out of his shell or the shell that i put him in in that show in this role this was the role he should have been playing all along hats off to hats off to mr brooks he was killing it in this film he he was a joy to watch on screen and I was feeling it. And, man, I was right with the diesel f***ing dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
a fabulous character. So next we have the other character that we'd slotted as a monk, but we already rewrote Liu Kang. So let's see what we think about Kung Lao. Originally, we had said that he was a straight-up monk, where Liu Kang was more of a monk sorcerer. Kung Lao was a straight-up monk. Uh, what do we think about that? I mean, I, I guess the hat is a physical thing, so that's not doesn't really have anything mystical or arcane about it. I... I what like him as a monk, and specifically, I'm going Kensai Monk. That gives him the weapons, that yeah, okay. gives him the things. We have to. Do, we might have to do some feats to give him some augments uh, to his abilities, or what have you. Well, the hat's clearly a magical right. item. Right, the hat's a magical yeah. item, but I think some of the other things he's able to do uh, are, are, you know, just like the way he catches it and puts it on. I, you know, such style. Like, he had yeah. pizzazz. Like, I actually he think did, Kung yeah. Lao has... Uh, it may not have been his primary stat, but I do think uh, charisma was high with this one. I was gonna say he got all the charisma that so yeah. Did yeah I mean, he he he, <laughs> he he's like yep. oozing charisma. Uh, Max Hong yep. did a great job with his character. Oh, I don't want to give. Look, we've done spoilers. There's some I'm just not gonna give away. But wow, Kung Lao is a great character. I definitely, I definitely see Kensei Monk. Uh, I I I see that being strong with him. Uh, and, and I really do think uh, less on the dexterity bit. Uh, I definitely think... He, yeah, he's definitely a strength and charisma. Yeah, absolutely. strength and charisma kind of guy. I, uh, I, I think he was dex, dex appropriate. Uh, but as you build this guy, you may want to do some other things to help him out with, with uh, uh, maybe give him some extra fighting styles or something like that to really show off his fighting prowess as you're grabbing feats, uh, any feat that gives you access to a fighting style, that would be cool. Uh, Martial adapt, yeah, something um, like that. It, yeah. And might even take it twice, so he's got some extra fighting styles. I think that yep. would be a great yep. way to do that. And the extra dice, yep. too. And the, the extra, extra dice, dice would be helpful really as well. Too. Yep. Yep. Okay, so next on the list, uh, uh, we're we're going to talk about, briefly, Lord Raiden and Shang Tsung. Um you don't stack gods. That's just, we're not going to try to get into that because like how that's, that's an impossible. Ask. Look, <laughs> so we're not, we're not going to go right? on that. Road. If you're stat blocking a God, because you need to say gods are not infallible, so they can be tricked, right? You need to have a stat so you can do that. But generally speaking, gods, they, especially in the world that this show inhabits. And you don't want this character fighting any other characters because you saw what happened when he fought one of the player characters, right? He ate him. Yeah. Ate, ate him, him quickly. Not saying who yeah. we gave it. We've given yeah. enough spoilers. This, this show. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say Kung Lao chicken is one of my favorite. Yeah. 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 Sorry, um, I, I, I gotta tell you that this is, uh, that I love the actor here. Uh, uh, Chin Han is great. I've seen him in so many things, but this is actually one of my favorite roles for him. He really, the makeup and the costuming for him was perfect. He looked frightening. And I say this with great reverence to one of my favorite Asian actors, Harry Tagawa. Uh, it is odd because I thought if I was not going to like one thing, it was going to be somebody else playing the role that effectively for multiple games has been made to look like Harry Tagawa. So it, 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 it wow. Hats off, Chin Han, Chang Soon. We're not going to snatch you today. You're just too dang, you're just too dang, too dang. 
I will say one thing though. Um, so, uh, Tadanobu Asano, who played Lord Raiden, Mr. Miller, here's your question. Where have we seen that actor before? I honestly, without looking it up, I can't, but I'm looking it up now and I'm seeing he plays Hogan the Grim. Yeah. Yeah. As well as he was in Ghost in the Shell. He was also in uh, one of the security council members in Winter Soldier. He was one of the crime bosses in The Dark Knight, one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, this guy's all over the place. So I knew I recognized him, but I couldn't pick where. And he was awesome. And I and again, this is where I have to say, and this is where this conversation comes up. In the last movie, one of my favorite parts of that movie is one of my favorite actors, Christopher Lambert. But we did a movie where Asian characters were played by Asian people. And I thought that this was better. And I love Christopher Lambert. This is not to take away from any single scene he was in. But this had a level of genuineness that just couldn't be with Christopher Lambert playing this role. And I loved Christopher Lambert in this role. But this, absolutely, this was better. I, I, yep. I, well done. So well Warner done. Brothers. Well done on you because yep. it had been easy to say, let's just grab an actor we know that can sell something. Help. When he was with us, that's how Sean Connery got half the roles he got because it was freaking Sean Connery, right? Sean uh, Michael, but yeah. at the end of the day, this is 2021 and we can't do things the way we used to do it 30 years ago. Yep. Totally agree. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about some of the bad guys now. We talked about all the good, for the most part, the good guys. And so we're going to go ahead and talk about the two samurai in the movie, Sub-Zero and Scorpion. And we slotted them both as multi-class samurais. And this is, yeah, Uh, let me cut you off there, Jess, because we've been saying for this whole show that we slotted nobody as fighters. Uh, I suppose Samurai. And then, and then it dawned on me about three characters ago that, uh, oops, yeah. there were two characters oops. that we slotted as kind of fighters. And <laughs> and what's interesting is if anybody has listened to our fighter episode where we talked about the fighter class and its subclasses, <laughs> we seriously yeah. dogged on the Samurai subclass. And specifically... Yeah, I guess we have to reconcile. Yeah, we do. <laughs> this is us, hat in hand. Uh... Uh, oh, look, these samurai are great. Samurai and Dungeons and Dragons right. suck, but these So what are this great. is telling us is, and what this is informing us is, if you're going to do a samurai, watch this movie frickin' first, and then listen yeah. to this podcast, and then make your samurai, yep. because these guys... Right. And then multi multi-class- with something else that has decent yeah, skills. Yeah, because you need it just enough for the backstory, <laughs> say, levels one yep. through, what do we say, about five or six... Uh, and yeah. then get on to whatever everything else you're going to do. So with yeah. that said, Josh, continue. Yeah. All right. So uh, we had Sub-Zero slotted as a samurai sorcerer. I think that that is a very easy, uh, a very easy transformation for, for uh, to, to see uh, and to understand. Obviously, Sub-Zero has got ridiculous ice abilities, uh, putting him in as a scorpion sorcerer. Uh, excuse me, as a samurai sorcerer, uh, is an is an easy slot, um, and then with Scorpion. Um, so before Bihan kills him the first time, yeah, straight up samurai monk. He has that sort of 
air of nobility, noble background for him. Yeah, he has that. Yeah, he has that exactly. He has that air of nobility about him. He has that air of uh, of of contemplation about him. You know that he is he's a family man. He is just trying to live his life. And it's later in the movie that we realize that he's one of the most decorated fighters of all time. Um, and so slotting him as a samurai monk makes sense. And I think that. Uh, when he returns to fight the, the ultimate fight with Sub-Zero at the end, putting him as a reborn, uh, I think makes a tremendous amount of sense. And I would say that maybe at that point, instead of Samurai Monk, he is Samurai Warlock, but I think that that's a tougher sled. I think that that's, you know, because again, he's got, I think if we're going to go reborn with that, let's not go with the, with the, with the Warlock connection. Keep his, keep his, uh, his, 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 his reborn undead, uh, Samurai, um, kind of on that slot. Look, there's an argument to be made. You can put him in. I would not put him in with Assassin if you wanted to throw in three levels of Rogue in there. Would not do that. But there's an argument to be made. You could put in three levels of, say, Shadow Monk with him or even Kensai Monk with him as well. You could make that argument. I would say don't triple class this character. Keep his keep his abilities on right. the up and keep them moving so you get some of those mid-level features on both. But I could see the argument and you could make that with me and I would say, yeah, I get it. I love the air of nobility. So I would certainly give him that, that, that noble background. I would definitely give him lean skills towards some of those more passive things like i could see him with nature because how the just look at his environment the environment of his home was serene until disturbed by by bihan uh you know i think that that would be a great skill proficiency to add that doesn't lend to the fight informs the character i would look towards those types of things for this guy we're not going to go into detail on it. I do think that there was one assassin in the one assassin in the movie, and that was the reptile, the yep. basically the lizard folk assassin who came into into Sonya's hideout early in the movie when Kano before Kano ripped out his yep. heart. So, um, but that's that's the only one that I would I would uh, uh, connect as a straight up assassin, and that's only because of the invisibility uh, powers that he's got. Um, and man, a lizard folk assassin is a terrifying thought. <laughs> And there would have to be some kind of feat or something we could give him because he had that acid dripping stuff that was really cool. And I I think there was some, there's some neat ways to stat that. I have a feeling at some point we might stat block some monsters along along those lines. Just give him the poison or something. Yeah, something. Uh, But going into Bihan and and, and looking at what Sub-Zero did, you have to do a little heavy lifting with the sorcerer stuff because we just looked at less than a year ago, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Uh, we've had things like Storm King's Slender. We've had different books that lend themselves towards characters and, and building characters from the north. There are not a lot of spells that lend themselves towards Frost and Ice. So I do think you're going to have to flavor some spells towards Sub-Zero. I would say, generally speaking, any spell that has fire, you can flavor towards Snow or Ice. And, and you could hand wave it. You can hand... Ha- Basically, he, he, he has flavor. Yeah. I mean, that's... You can hand wave it. And well, there's a spell for that one specifically, but I would say, you know, creating the snowstorms, things like that. Uh, There's a couple different things that you could do. Uh, Ambience, cold. You know, I think there was neat things that were done. And honestly, my thought would be the easy way is to hand wave it and just say anything that was this, make it that. I, especially since we're doing sorcerer, like the idea of have him spend his sorcery point to turn these other spells, this other to, to cold. And I think that's the way to make it balance at the table. So for storytellers out there who have characters who want to do things like that, 
sorcery points is a good way to to allow that flavor. I'm not saying that you take away their fun, but if you make it resource driven, I think it adds a lot to the game and it it, it creates some built in balance. Okay, um, so the last ones on our list here are a couple. They were they were definitely kind of second tier characters, but I thought that they were really cool. Um, the first one was uh, Melina, the two characters associated with Sung Sang and uh, his kind of uh, uh, group of assassins. Uh, the first one being uh, Melina, played by Sissy Stringer, and the second one being Natara, uh, played by Mel Johnson. Um, I thought that that Melina was a pretty clear rogue phantom, and it was one scene in particular that did it for me with that. Um, it was when she kind of stabbed Sonya through the story, and as she pulled her sigh out, she, you know, uh, she has this retractable jaw, and she like licked the blade of the sigh, and said, "Oh, you're not even a you're 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 not even a chosen fighter," and then disappears because Sonya's not even worth her time yeah. anymore. And then I thought uh, I thought Natara as uh, pretty much a straight up succubus I thought was amazing because again Shang Tsung keeps mentioning um, how beautiful she is and how alluring she is and everything like that, um, and she's really a winged she demon. So you know I think you take those two things, you put them together, and you get succubus. Yep. I I would agree in both cases. I think that for screen time, I'm guessing that uh, the winged succubus got uh, a lot of cutting room floor and not enough on air time. I think her CGI was expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she really didn't show up a lot. Uh, her yeah. scene was yep. pretty good, yep. and it really did a great job showing off what yep. uh, what Luke Kang can do. I mean, they, they they did have two of her on screen for a while, so but um bump just uh, no just for a split right. second. <sighs> <laughs> and I, oh, oh, is that what you meant by cutting room floor? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> See, you folks out there didn't realize that not only are you getting cutting edge analysis, but a humor show at the same oh, yeah. time. Oh, so, yeah. So, um, and I think the, the last kind of honorable mention that we had in here uh, was was Prince Goro. Uh, I know, Lee Wanika, you said Ogre. I said Goliath. Uh, I think either of them are work. Either of them are possible. Look, Prince Goru is just a big, mean motherfucker. That's just like, he's just, that's, that's Prince Goru. And so like, you know, uh, that's just the way that it is. But, um, Let's run down through the list here, and then we would love to go ahead and hear your comments on uh, on what you think of the classes that we assigned uh, to our characters here. So uh, we had Cole Young as a Warlock Hexblade, Sonya Blade as a Ranger Monster Slayer, Liu Kang, who we originally put as a Monk Sorcerer and then in mid-podcast changed our mind uh, to a, a, a Cleric uh, Order of, uh, is it Order of Flame? Of, of Fire Domain. Fire Domain, yep, yeah, as a Fire Domain cleric. We had Kano as the uh, rottenest of rotten rogue swashbucklers. Uh, we had Jax as a artificer turned reborn artificer. Uh, we had Kung Lao as a straight-up monk. Uh, we had Sub-Zero as a samurai sorcerer. Uh, Scorpion as a reborn samurai monk. Melina as a rogue phantom. Natara as a succubus. And then Prince Goru as uh, either an ogre or a Goliath, depending on which of your hosts you decide to uh, decide yep. with. And uh, forearms. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and a so. pretty spiffy top knot. All right. 
Everybody, please, we would love to go ahead and hear your feedback. We have an awesome milestone to announce. We This week, we not only hit 1,000 Twitter followers, so thank you everybody out there for listening. We also just today hit our 2,000th download. So thank you everybody so much for the support that you are showing us uh, and uh, for enjoying the show. We are doing some awesome content right now, and it really is awesome uh, that you guys are enjoying it with us. We love having you with us. And let me not go any further without thanking all of our amazing patrons uh, and uh, our, uh, our, our awesome. cadre of of cast members for the actual play portion of our podcast. Uh, the field trip episodes, uh, the first uh, one, which is recorded, the second one, which we record tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, cannot wait. wait. And we are blessed with a lousy amount of of blessings <laughs> and uh yep I, I will tell you running that game is only a is only slightly less terrifying than it was the last time i had to run it uh because all of our patreons are amazing players and so thank you everybody for the feedback that you have sent on that um i i get a lot of credit as the storyteller um and i assure you that i am only deserving of a very 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 small portion of that um i i threw things at the players and they responded in a plus fashion wouldn't have had it any other way so uh you know kudos to them all right everybody we'll see you next week finish him thank you for joining us this has been tabletop journeys we would love to hear your feedback on our show today You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our SideQuest series where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.